Today, I'm going to teach you how to stop forgetting stuff you learn and start getting compound interest on your knowledge. A lot of us, myself included, spend a ton of time learning new things, highlighting books, writing notes, compiling all this marginalia, and we never look at any of it again. Or if we do, it's sporadic and it's an extremely laborious process. I'm going to make a strong statement here. If you can't recall knowledge when you need it, you might as well not have it at all. Let me repeat that one more time to really frame this up. If you cannot recall knowledge when you need it, you as good as don't have it. So building a second brain is about alleviating this condition where we are constantly like taking in information, processing it, and just taking the products of our processing and throwing it off into the ether to be lost forever. I mean, this recurring condition really prevents you from getting the best out of the knowledge that you're compiling. Imagine if you had a second brain with limitless recall, perfect connectivity. Every time you add something to it, it immediately associates perfectly and permanently with everything else that's related to it or relevant to it. When you need information, you go back to it. It's actionable, perfectly summarized and ready to go. This is the promise of building a second brain which is a book by Tiago Forte, who went through this process of using uh, Zettelkasten and some old ideas from the world of human-computer interaction. Zettelkasten is this like German smart note system from academia to create basically an intelligently organized note-taking system using digital technology of your choice. It's pretty technology agnostic that lets you get this compound interest on your knowledge and stop just spinning your wheels and throwing stuff into the ether where it's never going to be found again or never used again. So what is the essence of this process of building a second brain? The first thing is to capture information. When you have an idea, when you are told a story, when you have an observation, when you read something, watch something, listen to something, capturing it. The second thing is organizing it in a way that allows it to be discoverable and allows it to associate to other things that are related to it. The third thing you do is you distill your knowledge in the captured format. So when you come back, you're able to quickly understand what you're looking at. I mean, I have literally like hundreds of notes on every topic from growth to probability theory to product management to networking computer networking like but the problem is were I to read those notes I would literally be relearning each subject the the information is not distilled in an actionable way I mean my philosophy before I read this book was very much like I'm taking notes to remember it now I'm not taking notes to remember it later and I don't know if anyone identifies with this like throughout college um what I would do is I would take notes and literally throw them out. I would just be taking notes as a way to organize my thoughts. And now I think there's a lot of value to that, but what if you could take notes as a way to organize your thoughts, but also make them useful? Because had I been taking notes throughout the entire uh, college experience, who knows what kind of metaphors and connections I could be making across a range of subjects, right? And this along with many other behavior changes has the quality of like planting a tree where it's like, you know, what's the best time to plant a tree 10 years ago? What's the second best time today? So if you feel like, Oh, you know, 
whatever, you, um, you just see the potential in this and you, you're older and you feel like you really missed your window, don't worry about it because there's, there's, first of all, it just is what it is. And second of all, there's no better time than right now to start using this system uh, or a system like this. So digging into the process of capturing information, I'll describe my actual system a little bit because your system will, will vary depending on what platform you use. But I personally use Notion. And the nice thing about Notion is there's a lot of different plugins you can use. So I have like saved to Notion and I have like a Notion web clipper. So if I'm watching videos, if I'm if I read an article online, if I see a tweet that I like, I can capture all of those. The hard thing that I find is capturing stuff from hard copy books because it makes the process much more laborious and like, you know, even longer to stop reading and to transcribe like quotes or grab passages from hard copy books. So there's this kind of challenging situation here where um, if you have an e-reader like a Kindle, you can export your highlights and notes super easily. And that's a very powerful thing. Now the drawback is research suggests that people who use e-readers have better recall of objects from stories they read, but they have worse recall of temporal relationships. So the ordering of plot, things like that. And it's about a 30% worse recall. Now the studies that have been done on this have small sample sizes and, you know, most social science studies don't replicate. And so I wouldn't get hung up on this, but it's something to just keep in the back of your mind is there is some indication that the physical cues, the kinesthetic interactivity of reading a physical book helps your brain understand the relationship of events transpiring over time. So <clears throat> for me personally, you know, how do I think about this? I love physical books and I have a lot of physical books. So I'm kind of like in it right now. And I'm also trying to be financially responsible this month. So I'm not just going to turn around and buy a Kindle. If you have a Kindle, if I had a Kindle right now, I would be using it a lot more for this system because the convenience of being able to grab your notes and highlights and export them straight into your second brain, be it Notion or whatever other tool you choose to use, is extremely powerful. Um, and if you're able to do that, when you're distilling knowledge, you have this pyramid. You have your, your base of just your raw notes. Then you have your highlights. Then you have like bold-faced sentences or words. And then you have your executive summary in each note. So you're able to do that much more thoroughly and you're able to have the base of the pyramid in your second brain if you have an e-reader. Um, with physical books, I'm still trying to figure out a good system. You could screenshot the book and transfer your screenshots over, but really I think you have to resign yourself to just taking a little more time. The good thing about that is Reading is an activity that defies our schedules. It kind of takes how long it takes. And one of the key insights that I've ever come across about reading more is 
you, you just can't force the process. Like to read more, you just need to read more. And that's going to involve taking time. And actually when I like assessed my schedule recently, I had to cut out a lot of stuff to make time for the reading that I need to do for this podcast and for my mission of, you know, my proximal mission of using data science and leadership to help people who are working in tech, building things, trying to start things, do a better job, make tough decisions under pressure more effectively. But my, you know, other broader mission of just trying to like understand the world more deeply, uh, understand human nature, be a more effective, useful human being. Uh, for both of those, like, it's it's really crucial to do a lot of reading, and that reading just takes an irreducible amount of time. I mean, you can speed read. I've read several books on speed reading, but push comes to shove, the reality is it will take a certain amount of time. And I th the other thing that I personally find is when I get obsessed with speed reading or trying to, like, grind through a book, I lose the joy of it. And I also find that, okay, instead of taking 12 hours, it took seven hours. It still took seven hours, right? Like, is it better to take the scenic route to work and take 40 minutes? Or is it better to take the fast route and it's ugly and it's crowded and packed with traffic, but you're like, oh, I got there 10 minutes earlier. You know, me personally, I, I tend to be the scenic route person. Um, so when I can, if I plan effectively. I'm drinking a, a little espresso here with a psychedelic looking Albuquerque espresso cup. And it's pretty great. But excuse my, you know, creepy mouth sounds. Okay, so we've talked about capturing information. And with podcasts too, you can go into the transcript or you can clip podcasts and export the clips. On YouTube, you can go into the transcript and copy sections of the transcript. Um, and there's various other things you can do. You can take pictures of things. You can have voice recordings. You can use your Apple Watch to make a voice recording, transcribe the voice recording, and put it into Notion. I mean, if you really get going on this stuff, it's, it's very powerful. And I would recommend using a tool that is accessible across all your technology. So you want to be able to use it on your phone, your laptop, if you have an iPad or an Apple Watch, because that's where you get just this compound interest of every time you have something that might be useful, you store it away. Now, how do you store it away so it's useful, actionable, and accessible over the long term? So what Tiago Forte recommends is you divide your digital brain into four sections. And personally, I have five, but the four core sections are project, projects and questions, areas, resources, and your archive. So with projects and questions, what this comes down to is whatever you're working on right now, your actionable projects, as a callback to essentialism, let's say that you really have three to five active projects that you're pursuing right now. You you want to first filter all the information you're capturing through the lens of, is it going to help me with my active projects? If it's not going to help you with your active projects, then you can, you know, punt it to areas, which are these, these deeper areas that you're invested in learning about, which for me is things like decision science, leadership, growth, and then, you know, martial arts, 
um, mostly grappling, judo, jiu-jitsu. And then uh, also for me, I would say I, I invest a significant amount of time in just reading and reflecting on Stoicism, Buddhism, Socratic philosophy, because I find that those things help me not go insane. So for me, those are also an area, um, not philosophy broadly, because I'm not really interested in the, uh, the postmodern circle jerk or tilting at windmills too much. I mean, I'm interested in epistemology in terms of like, how do we know what we know? I think that's a very important topic for decision science. Um, and understanding the epistemic value of different types of evidence, being able to weigh evidence from that perspective. Um, so those are like the areas that I, I'm interested in. And anything that's related to those areas that doesn't tie directly into an active project, I punt to that section, that folder within Notion. Um, and then there's resources, which are a touch more broad than areas. So things that don't fit into an area you're investigating. So for example, let's say I have a, a list of people that can help me do things around the house, like our handyman, uh, our people who help us clean the house, like those various things, like, you know, primary care doctor. That's a resource that doesn't actively tie into these areas of interest. Um, I suppose it can tie into the area of like family and finances, but not quite, you know? Um, so that's where that would go. And then the archive is like mostly past projects uh, or, you know, future potential projects and areas of interest, things that don't tie into the here and now, um, the things that are occupying you here and now. And one more little wrinkle that's interesting about this is the questions. So Richard Feynman always had a running list of 12 questions that he would ponder. And every time he got a new piece of information, he would filter it through these 12 questions. So in your projects and questions, me personally, I'm a big fan of three to five. So I would say three to five projects and three to five active questions. Uh, and the more overlap you have, you know, obviously the more focus you're gonna have and the more you're gonna gain traction on what you're doing. Um, there is such a thing as being over-focused, but for most people, it's not really, that's not really the biggest problem. Um, so that's something to consider. And it helped Richard Feynman make these like distant connections between pieces of information because, you know, when he'd see a, a, a Frisbee wobbling, he'd, he'd take that and like filter it through what he's thinking about. And then he'd like apply that to whatever quantum physics and come up with some unexpected insight. So that's um that's what where the questions come from in projects and questions we talked a little bit about distilling information because i think capturing and distilling are very related to each other um but talking a little bit more about that distilling information is investment in time okay it, it takes longer to capture and distill information than it does to just read something but by doing it, you're, you're providing a gift to your future self. You're investing now so your future self has this p concise, readable, actionable nugget of information that, that you can leverage um, in future projects when you're pondering future questions. And one thing about organization and distillation too is once you have this like kernel of knowledge, 
you can cross associate it, right? So next week, uh, I'm planning on doing an episode on the avoidance of anger, which has been something that's occupied me, you know, throughout my life. I've gotten a lot better at it. Um, not perfect, but definitely a lot better. And you know, we I have tips from tips centered on Plutarch's essay on the avoidance of anger. And Plutarch is a fascinating figure. He has kind of a Socratic or Stoic flavor to his philosophy, but he's a little more worldly than the Stoics. Um, and I'm going to, you know, wrap in knowledge from the Zen monk Thich Nhat Hanh, the battle psychology of the Spartans, and personal experience. So when I'm writing the outline for this podcast next week, I can cross-reference and rope in all these different kernels of knowledge um, in a way that would be extremely hard to do or harder to do or wouldn't have the same level of richness were I to not have this deeply cross-linked digital brain that I'm putting together. And I've been doing this for like two weeks, um, but I really, really like it and I'm really excited about it. And I've, I've been a note taker for quite some time on notability, but this approach is really much more usable and much more powerful. Um, do I recommend buying Tiago Forte's book? Generally, I would because it's valuable. He's added value to my life. Um, if you have like $20, it's probably not the first book I would I would pick up. Simply because like many business books, it has a, a core idea that can be expressed very concisely. But I think it's worth supporting the author. So if, you, if you've derived value from this podcast, you will get more from the book than you did from this podcast. There's, there's depth and there's richness and there's like, you know, different ways of creating and using the system. And there's interesting stuff about the history of this, uh, this second brain. So for example, he talks about commonplace books where a lot of intellectuals and artists and nobles throughout history have this book where... They would cut out snippets from other books they're reading and like write notes to themselves and have quotes and they'd pretty much build this like custom book for themselves of like reference that they'd carry around. But you know, obviously there's way more detail in the actual book than what I'm saying now. So so if you want a relatively easy read and if this idea is compelling to you, the more you invest in it, the more it's gonna return to you. Like for example, with David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, the, the core system and ideas behind that book, can, you can watch a YouTube video for five minutes and understand what they are. But until I read the book, I didn't invest in it and really invest in learning the system and using the system. So um, what I personally find is when you have skin in the game, you're more likely to follow through. So, and, and also, it's about this ethical obligation to kind of repay people for the value they create. Like, in jiu-jitsu, one of the key means of learning is, like, instructional. So, like, the best people in the world will put together these videos that explain their best techniques or break down their matches and various things like that. These are really easy to torrent, but I personally pay for all of them, and they're hundreds of dollars each. What I personally find is I tend to watch a much greater percentage of my instructionals than a lot of people I know. Now, there are people I know who torrent instructionals and watch them. But my general observation is 
when I pay $250 for something, I value it worth $250. I feel that other things I could have bought for that money. So um, I, I would recommend buying it. And as far as your tech stack, you do it your way. Do it the lowest friction way for you. I like Notion a lot, but it does cost some money. It's $5 a month. One of the things that's nice about Notion is it has all these different plugins and it's like very, um, it's very easy to integrate with other things. So for that reason, I really like, and I also like the kind of pseudo markdown approach where I can hit slash and create different modules and things. And there's tons of templates and custom builds for Notion online. So for, for that reason too, I think it's, it's a good piece of software to use for this. Aside from that, let me let me tell you a little bit about why I started started this whole project of building a second brain. <clears throat> For this podcast, I have to integrate and read a lot of information, and part of the reason I'm I'm doing this podcast, and I have I have faith that this podcast is going to get more valuable over time, is because as I'm reading and researching each episode my knowledge is building on itself. Episode number 100 is gonna be much more useful, exponentially more useful than episode number one. And episode number 1000 is gonna be even more useful for that reason. But in order to really have that effect or to amplify that effect, I have to be able to recall and make connections with all the prior knowledge that we've accumulated. The second reason I, I started investigating this is I'm, I'm specking out an ebook about decision science for startup founders and adjacent professionals. Um, you know, like if you're a product manager, you're a senior technical leader, you're a growth professional, you have a, you're a solopreneur, you have a small business you're trying to grow. For, for any of these people, this decision science for founders book is hopefully gonna be really useful. And for that, I was reading a book called Write Useful Books. And Write Useful Books has been really fantastic. Um, a lot of it is predicated around user research and testing. So I've been emailing and trying to get in touch with startup founders I know to figure out what decisions have been most challenging for you. What decisions have been the most stressful? Which ones have been the most consequential? Which ones have been, which ones, which recurring decisions plague you? And which ones would be most beneficial to, um, take off your plate or, or have a better approach to weighing, you might say. So for, for that book, I'm having to do a lot of research. My intention is to read, you know, dozens of books, research papers, and produce something really tight, useful, coherent, grounded in the research, grounded in best practice. Um, and for that reason, I'm going to have to integrate, connect, associate, remember a vast amount of knowledge. So I started looking into note-taking systems and there's this note-taking system called Zettelkasten and there's a book called How to Take Smart Notes that, that uh, captures the system. But it's very academic and theoretical and building a second brain is like the light version of that. Um, I read Building a Second Brain, I read most of it in a day or two um, while working during the week and I would recommend this over how to take smart notes simply because if you're trying to do something, I'm, I, presumably you're reading this book to actually do something. 
in that case, your time would be best spent doing that thing and not reading books about how to take notes so that you could do that thing. So in that sense, this book is a good investment. This podcast is a good place to start. If you listen to this podcast and you're interested in the system and you find yourself not committing to using it, then I would recommend you go buy the book and get some skin in the game. Once you have that skin in the game, your odds of uh, actually following through are a lot higher. Like if you buy the book, you've invested money. If you read the book, you've invested time. And now because of commitment and consistency and the gold gradient effect and commitment and consistency is like where you are biased to do things that are consistent with past things you've done. And the goal gradient effect is the psychological effect where the closer you get to completing a goal, the more energy you put towards its completion. So if you buy the book and read the book, you, you've done two out of three tasks in setting up the system as opposed to you know, zero out of one tasks. If you don't buy the book, read the book. So by virtue of doing that, you're, you're creating momentum and creating energy towards completing this thing. So, so that's, that's essentially where this project came from. And I'm, I'm really, really pumped about it. Um, I'm excited to start using it with stuff at work too, because <clears throat> Like imagine if everything you've learned about your domain and role, not individual, you know, proprietary company secrets, obviously those can't be in a private personal system, but stuff that isn't like, you know, proprietary to the company or like trade secrets, just like stuff, in my case, stuff like <clears throat> what is an SOIC land pattern? You know, what is an FPGA? Um... You know, what are the steps that an electrical engineer takes to design custom electronics? I think things of that nature. Um, how does silicon fabrication work of chips? And, and in your industry, in your job, you probably have knowledge like this too. Being able to capture it is going to be, who knows when that will come up. I mean, maybe in 20 years, you're a venture capitalist and you're considering a company in the space and now you have this deep knowledge about it, right? I mean, it's, and also information is useful for its practical value, for its entertainment value and just wonderment value. And then also as, as a metaphor, right? So actually that's one of the things that I, I, um, I wish I had been using the system in college because when I'd taken courses on cell biology and stuff like that, it would be fascinating to remember that material more richly to have like all these analogies about how this beautifully efficient system like works, you know? Um, yeah, I remember some stuff about it, but I, I wish I remembered more about it. Um, and it's not one of my focus areas. So, you know, right now I'm, I'm not investing. And that's something I've been telling uh, my baby brother is try to like relish this time when you're in high school when you're in college because you have the opportunity to explore intellectual pursuits without obstruction you know you have the opportunity to learn about anything you want for as long as you want as deeply as you want and it's this whole like youth is wasted on the young thing where it's easy to feel like it's a chore and it's easy to feel like oh i wish i was just partying and having fun but 
the opportunity to do that is is a very um, precious thing. Though, of course, I think part of the reason why you don't appreciate that when you're younger is it feels imposed upon you and you have counter will resistance, which is like when someone forces you to do something, you want to do the opposite. And then also you have a lack of constraints. As an older person, like your constraints make you really relish um, your time and be more choosy about how you spend your time. You know, like, do I want to get drunk for the 15th time or do I want to learn about something that might, you know, help me understand the world better or help me connect with other people better? or reveal something about the, the beauty, the sublimity, um, the amazing, wondrous nature of the world and, and reality and human nature, right? I mean, when you put it head to head, when you have that constraint, it's a lot clearer which one is gonna bring you more meaning and bring you more joy. And also, of course, <clears throat> if you're young and you're on the hedonic treadmill, you kind of need to be on it to learn that it doesn't work. You know, that like no amount of sense pleasure or drinking or partying is, is ever going to make you feel lastingly happy, make you feel a sense of meaning, bring you satisfaction. It's ultimately like an empty pursuit. Um, yeah, so on that uh, very, <clears throat> very heavy note, but also uh, important note, important note to consider. I think I think I've given you a pretty useful episode today, a pretty actionable episode. I hope next week we're going to talk about the avoidance of anger, which again is <clears throat> a very actionable topic. And follow me on Twitter at a y zero n underscore b. That's A-Y-0-N underscore B. I'm Ion Bhattacharya, so hence Ion B. And yeah, subscribe to this podcast. We have a lot of good stuff planned. We've been a little more sporadic lately because we are trying to make all these big changes. Like, you know, tell me if you noticed this, like hit me up on Twitter, um, shoot me a DM or or, uh, message me. Tell me if you notice differences in the quality of this episode versus other solo episodes. Because personally, I think it's it's a higher quality episode, you know, and we're doing a lot of groundwork to ensure that that's that's that, that that's the case, and change is disruptive, you know. So we we're trying to find our bearings through this, and Arik is traveling a lot right now, so that's kind of that's kind of where we're at with that, and uh, yeah, I hope you'll join us next week. Goodbye.